Yeah, I'm coming to you all right now in this way. So, it's 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock on the top, driving in my top top. Yeah, that part. So, Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Y'all know how I do. Y'all come on in. Share this. Hey to my Instagrammers. Hey, Taylor. So, Facebookers, y'all come on in. Share this to your pages. Invite someone. Invite someone. Invite someone. Come on, we got four little minutes to make sure y'all have y'all's um your Bible, your pen, your notepads for y'all to take notes. I'm gonna tell y'all right quick that on my Serena Holloway Deliverance, no, 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 I'm about to tell y'all the wrong one. So on my I can't even get into that, but on my um Dr. Serena Holloway Marriage Ministries page. It's a regular page. It would be great if y'all would go by there and follow me on that page because that's where majority of my marriage ministry comes through because on next month in March, I am starting a study, well, a, a series. This one's going to be straight from my marriage ministries page. And um, that is titled, What Causes Your Lack of Intimacy in Your Marriage Bedroom? And that's going to be for marriages. We have to understand that intimacy is just not sexual, but emotions and or, and or medical um, stems from what causes the lack of intimacy in your marriage bedroom your bedroom is your sacred place your bedroom is your uh, sanctuary your bedroom is a place of intimacy and a lot of times um when you're married uh, um, sex doesn't happen um conversation doesn't happen and all you're doing is you're laying you're you're going to bed and you're not saying good night to one another you're not communicating with one another you're just getting in the bed some of you are saying your prayers and then cutting off the light and you're going straight to sleep some of you are not saying good night you're cutting off the light and you're going straight to sleep and so the bedroom is an intimate setting for marriages in your bedroom no one should be able to come in to disturb your intimacy concerning your marriage and sometimes when we are emotional distraught because of verbal abuse, because of physical abuse, and or because of infidelity. And in women, we tend to deal with all of those um, on a regular. But for men, it's like they can go out and just do whatever without having any emotions attached to what they do. But we, of course, everybody say women, we're emotional creatures. And so we won't um, have sex with our spouse when we are feeling inadequate we're feeling 
um, not worthy. We're, we're not feeling beautiful. We're not feeling special. And we're not feeling those ways because of the emotions that are brought on to us because of our spouse. And sometimes, and in, in majority times, it happens to men as well. So I really want to get deep into that to get marriages and husband and wife, not marriages, to get husband and wives to understand the importance of intimacy in your marriage bedroom. And so when, when the scripture tells us that um, when you marry, husband leaves um, mother and father and cleaves to his wife, and we become one, we're no longer two, and nothing shall separate us. Nothing shall separate us at all, not even the things that we go through in our regular everyday lives as well. So uh, I really want to, and that's going to be from my marriage page, and that will also be a Bible study brunch at 11 a.m., um, Monday through Friday, and I'm going to be dealing with the emotions. I'm going to be dealing with medical because, see, sometimes intimacy is not happening in the marriage bedroom because of medical reasons. Um, the woman may be going through menopause and the man may have an erectile dysfunction. So there's a lot of things that causes us not to be intimate. And a lot of times we think that intimacy is all about sex and it isn't. There's different forms of intimacy, um, communication, conversation, um, holding hands, cuddling, just watching TV, cooking together. There's so many things that, that can bring intimacy into your marriage bedroom. And so therefore, um, I'm going to be doing a teaching on that um, in March for the month of March. Um, and so, um, I don't know, bring in um, a new method to old and new marriages, right? I don't know, I just thought about that. So that's what I wanna do. And that's what I wanna, I wanna be able to focus in on that. Because a lot of marriages, they don't know um, how to be intimate. A lot of marriages, they don't understand the purpose of it. So what happens is we find ourselves um, in an emotional place. We find ourselves dealing with depression, medical, dealing with oppression, you know, emotion. So I don't know. I just believe that this is what God wants us to um continue to do in our in our marriages you know husband and wives need to really understand the purpose of marriage amen and so that's what i'll be i'll be coming from so hopefully i can get through this month of february and finishing up the job series so that's my goal my goal is to finish up the job series before we come out of february amen and so um we're on job chapter 23 on today and yesterday was a little doozy, right? It was, it was, it was really good. So I'm excited about that. So we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna move forward into um, our Job series. So I pray that you all will tune in and um, hear what thus saith the Lord. I know y'all are like, well, now you get us used to 12 noon and you get us used to 11 a.m. And now today you coming on at 12, right? Yeah, so um, I always try to give everybody a heads up before I actually come in. But on today, my daughter didn't have to be at school today. So I decided to come at 12. I could have came at 11, but mm, I don't know. I just wanted to come on at 12 o'clock. Plus I was um, doing something else. I'm working on um something for um the power of a praying woman group that i did on last month for 31 days and so it was such a blessing and so some of them wanted to move forward in that and so y'all know me i love to teach you know and i love to encourage and um and i just love to help people and to try to push them into the greater areas of their life and letting them know that no matter what you're going on, but no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in your home, no matter what's going on in your job, no matter what's going on in your, your with your children or in anything, life is just a struggle for some. And some people don't even have a struggle, they just like the fellowship. They just like to be a part of something. They just like to be a part of us of um a sisterhood, you know. And I wish that there were many men out here in this world that could build bond 
with other men and create a, a safe place for the men as well so that they can understand releasing your emotions doesn't make you a punk. Release, releasing the things that you struggle with doesn't make you weak, but it, it allows you to come around other strong men to help build you up when you are feeling discouraged, when you are feeling like, you know, you rather just give up and just walk away. It's about building one another. It's, it's about building one another, strengthening one another. Because the Bible tells us that we the strong are to encourage the weak. Amen. Strengthen your brother when they are weak. Strengthen your brother when they've fallen short. Strengthen your brother when they've been overtaken in a fall. Strengthen each other. So some things, not, some things are not just about men. Some things are not just about children. Some things are just not about women. Some things are just not about men. I got to say that again. Some things is just not about race, creed, or religion. But it's about a support group, being able to be strengthened in the areas that you are in your life. And that's the thing. That's the key. So with all of that being said, it doesn't make no, it doesn't make any sense. Y'all listen to me. And y'all hear me and hear me well. It doesn't make any sense to be a part of a group and not participate in it. It doesn't make any sense to be a part of something and not get anything out of it. It makes no sense to sit in something just to be in something and not apply it to your life or not um, receive the benefits that it's offering. It makes no sense to have all of these resources in the world and it's there to help you and you just don't want to, you know, do that. So even to you all that's watching from my Instagram, you got to be able to understand that we are all in this together. Now, some of you may see me look here. Some of you may see me look here, but I'm talking to those who are following me on my Instagram. I'm talking to those who are following me on my Facebook. You know, this is who I am. I do social media. Amen. And so I just want to thank you all for tuning in and being a part of my ministry that God has given to me. Can we talk about it live? My goal is to, 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 to reach as many people as I possibly can you know, through the word of God, just to encourage you, just to uplift you, just to help you. And that's it. So we're going to go ahead and, and move forward. So Lord God, we thank you for those who are watching. We thank you for those who are watching publicly. We thank you for those who are watching privately. Lord God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be accepted unto thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Lord God, I come to you just as humbly as I know how. No other way but through jesus christ so lord give me the strength that you have that you give to me every day give me the strength to to push forward give me the strength to 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 stand give me the strength to 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 just have a great day just in that day nothing more nothing less so that i may be able to persevere to endure the things that I cannot change. So God, I just thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. I thank you for being able to worship you and worship you in spirit and in truth, to be able to read your word, to be able to be encouraged by it, to be uplifted in it. So God, I just thank you, Lord God. So continue to cover me, cover me in your blood, cover my heart, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, those who are watching, allow them to receive something. Allow them to be encouraged. Allow them to be uplifted. Allow them to hear whatever that needs to be heard so they can carry out to help someone else. God, you called us to be a disciple and then to go out and make other disciples, but teaching them the true and unadulterated word of God, teaching them the righteous word of God, teaching them the right word of God, teaching them your word not our opinion, not our suggestions, not our assumptions, not our accusations, but straight from the word, from Genesis to Revelations, not taking anything from it and not adding anything to it, but just as it is. But we are to live by an example. We are to give analogies and parables, and we are to lead by an example and show them the right way, show them 
how you, what you mean by morals, what you mean by standards, what you mean by living right, what you mean by what, by recognizing what's good and what's bad, by recognizing what is evil and, and what is, what is good, recognizing what's witchcraft, recognizing a warlock, recognizing a witch and recognizing a recognizing the uh, 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 a, a a christian that has the light of you the heart of you being able to recognize a false prophet from a real prophet to be able to recognize is it coming from the word of god or is it coming from the world of man being able to recognize how we should live and how we should be kind to one another how we should love one another how we should we should encourage one another, not tear each other down because of our religion, not tearing each other down because of our sexual preference, not tearing anyone down because of our race, not tearing anyone down because of our gender, not tearing anyone down because of their beliefs and our beliefs, but loving people right there where they are, but still setting a standard, still standing for holiness, still standing for righteousness, to be able to let somebody know that you do have a choice that you do have a choice you do have a choice how you choose to live how you choose to maintain your deliverance how you choose to maintain your salvation how you choose to maintain your life so god we just thank you for sending your son jesus to die on a cross for not just my sin but for all of our sins to be able to recognize that there's no greater sin and there's no lesser sin, but sin is sin. To recognize that we should be able to confess our faults one to another so that the, the, the prayers, the fervent prayers of a righteous man will avail as much. <clears throat> And that they will be healed, set free, and delivered. They will no longer be captive. They will no longer be bound. But they will be free and they will be happy. And they will be happy indeed. And that they will see the joy of the Lord. They will be able to see the joy of their salvation. Because your word tells us in Philippians 2 and 12 that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Not complaining, not murmuring, but taking our concerns unto you and laying our burdens onto your cross so you can carry those for us. So God, we just thank you, God. We just thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you. We thank you. We thank you for life, for seeing fit to wake us up, that you've not removed your hands from us, that you've not rejected us, that you that you have given us another chance to have a right to the tree of life, to have a right and another opportunity to, to get it right. So God, we thank you for the mistakes that we've had that we've made so we can recognize the error of our ways and then fix the things that we've broken, fix the things that we've that the people that we've hurt. And how do we fix those things? Because you're the ultimate fixer, but showing us that we gotta repent of our sins, we gotta ask for forgiveness of our faults and walk in restoration for reconciliation back to you, God. You said that you're married to the backslider. So, Lord God, those who have backslidden, those who have not found their way back to you, Lord God, continue to be married to them, Lord God. Continue to wait on them, Lord God. Continue to hold them, Lord God, when they feel like they want to give up, when they feel like they want to throw in a towel, when they feel like they just want to let go of it all and just pass on. But God, let somebody know on today that suicide is not the answer, that suicide is not the end result, that suicide is not a decision. But it's a choice. But in those choices, Lord God, allow somebody to come at the right moment, at the right time to say, Jesus loves you. God adores you. He loves you. He loves you. And he wants you to live free. He wants you to know that you may not be special to somebody else, but you are special to him. And he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. So, God, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Look on every marriage that is falling. Look on every marriage that is failing. Look at every marriage that is struggling. Look at every marriage that needs help. Look at every marriage that needs to be delivered. Look on every marriage that needs to be made whole, God that you will give them wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, Lord God, that you will let them know that when you're seeing them crying in the midnight hour, when you're seeing them not understanding, when you're seeing and witnessing that them, they're so confused, Lord God, that you will come and be a mind regulator and a heart fixer, Lord God, and you come to bring them peace, God. You come to give them hope, God. 
So God, we just thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy, and continue to move mightily on all of us, oh God. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name, I pray, we pray, and we all say amen. So God, we thank you. In Jesus' name, we thank you. I thank you for those who have tuned in. I thank you for those who are watching. Invite someone to come in. Share this to your page. Help somebody. Hey, Lady Trailer, how are you? It's good to see you on here, woman of God. And so now we're going to move forward in the book of Job. And we're going to come from Job 24, because that's where we are. So my goal today is to walk through Job 23. I'm sorry. Yes, Job 23. My goal is to walk through Job chapter 23 and Job chapter 24. That is my goal. That is my desire. So continue to keep me uplifted before the Lord because I do want to I do want to get through these two chapters today because today is Tuesday and we're moving on <laughs> I pray for my husband he loves me oh so much he loves me oh so much he came home for lunch today just to be with me okay so Job chapter 23 and this is Job's response to Eliphaz so if some of you was listening um on yesterday this is about to bless your whole soul <laughs> it's about to bless you so in job's defense he makes a response to eliphaz after eliphaz had came through and basically told him dude you you, you just need to just move on from there right so listen eliphaz basically listen he literally said to job can a can a person do anything to help Job? The end of the, his end of speech, he told Job, he said, even sinners will be rescued. They will be rescued because your hands are pure. But he also told Job, he was like, you know, submit to God and you will have peace. And that's true. That is really true. But he was so mean to Job. And Job was like, and he said, the thing about it like this, that Job sat and listened. Like he didn't cut Eliphaz off. He didn't, you know, rushing from talking anything he literally sat and just listened right and just because you sit when, when if you can just sit and listen to somebody it doesn't mean and to the other person that's talking it doesn't mean that they are receiving everything that you're saying it's not even saying that they believe everything that you're speaking they just don't want to cut you off they they're they're just waiting for an opportunity to say that ain't it but i thank you for your words of encouragement but what I need you to do is continue to pray for me so that God can come through and really let me know what it is. Because at the end of the day, what you're speaking to me is right, but that's not where I'm at. That's not my cause. That's not my cause. My case is with the Lord. Amen. So he says, then Job answered and said, even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him that I might come even to his seat. I would order my calls before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Remember what I have been saying this for the longest. He has been telling his friends, my, my calls, I'm speaking my calls to you, but my case is to the Lord. So, but I want to read this from the New Living Translation, if y'all would allow me to read this from the living, the, the New Living Translation. And it says that my complaint, this is what Job was saying, his response to Eliphaz. He said, my complaint today, and I don't even know, can y'all, I'm sure y'all can hear me. He says, my complaint today is still a bitter one. And I try hard not to groan aloud. Can you imagine that you were in a, in a broken place and I think I have froze. Okay, I haven't froze. I did there for a second. Okay, my internet, y'all, has been messing up. We went to go get it fixed, and it still it still wanted to do what it wants to do. But I, y'all know me, I still go on in Jesus' name, right? So listen, Job said, my complaint today is still a bitter one, and I try hard not to groan aloud. If only I knew where to find God. I would go to his court. I would lay out my case and present my arguments. Then I would listen to his reply and understand what he says to me. 
Would he use his great power to argue with me? No, he would give me a fair hearing. Honest people can reason with him. So I would be, I would be forever acquitted by my judge. I go east, but he is not there. I go west, but I cannot find him. I do not see him in the north where he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. Now, when I read that part yesterday, I was reminded of Paul. When Paul said, when I look to my right, evil is present. When I look to the left, something is happening. All around me, there's something going on. But so even in all of that, even, even when um, your continents change, you're, you're unhappy, you know, you're, you're, you're unhappy and you're sad and you really don't understand what's going on in your life. And so what, so, so what does that mean that, you know, you're just unhappy and you really don't understand what it means? And you're just going on. You don't know why you're unhappy. You don't know why you're sad. You don't know why things are happening in your life. You don't know why um, things have taken a turn. Like you just don't know why. But even in all of that, you still have to understand that you can't allow your you can't allow your continence to change your confidence in yourself and in God. So with that being said, why do you think we do that though? Hold on, y'all. I want y'all, I, I thought I put this on here and I didn't. Y'all give me a second because I wrote the rest, but I need I need to put this up there. I need to put this up there. And then he realized that I also had a spell wrong. But there we go. Don't allow your continence to change your confidence. And that's the thing. Don't allow your confidence to change your confidence. Yes, you're going to be sad. Yes, you're going to be hurt. Yes, you're going to be disappointed. Yes, you're going to be broken. Yes, you're going to be betrayed. Yes, you're going to be spit on. Yes, you're going to be smacked. Yes, you're going to go through. Yes, you're going to have ups and you're going to have downs. Yes, you're going to be in a broken place. Yes, you're going to be broke just for a moment. Yes, you're going to go through all of these things. But don't allow it to change your confidence of who you are. Don't allow it to change your stance in your character. Don't allow, don't allow it to change your hope in God. Don't allow it to, to um, allow your faith to be watered down. Believe. You have to believe. You have to believe. So listen. So Job went on to say, I do not see him. Joe went on to say, but he knows where I am going. God is omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. God is in the storms. God is in the quiet places. God can speak in a still, small voice, right? So what you have to understand is God is all-knowing. God is all-seeing. And God is everywhere. He's everywhere. He's in your home. He's in your closet. He's in your car. He's on your job. He's, he's with you when you're traveling to your destination. He's with you when you're traveling out of town. He's with you when you're traveling to work. He's with you when you're traveling to the grocery store. He's with you. But ask yourself, are you with him to even know when you can't find him, when you can't trace him, he's there. You may not see him, you may not trace him, but he's there. So because you can't trace him, don't stop your trust in him. Believe that he's still there. Have faith that he's still there. Keep hope alive, right? So verse 11 says in Job 23, verse 11, for I have stayed on God's path. I have followed his ways and not turned aside. I have not departed from his commands but have treasured his words more than daily food. But once he has made his decision, who can change his mind? Whatever he wants to do, he does. So he will do to me whatever he has planned. He controls my destiny. Now, mind you, Jeremiah tells us in 29 
and 11, Jeremiah says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So when I read that part, that scripture jumped into my spirit. Why? Because even though Job said um, he wouldn't he do to me whatever he has planned, but he's not going to do evil to Job. And what we have to understand is sickness is not evil. Sickness is not evil. If you get struck with a sickness, it doesn't mean that God has placed evil on you. It doesn't mean that God has placed a curse on you. If you're going through in your marriage, it doesn't mean that God has brought evil upon you. It doesn't mean that he has cursed you. What that means is he's going to strengthen you in that place that you are in. He's going to help you in that area. So Job says, no wonder I am so terrified in his presence. When I think of it, terror grips me. God has made me sick at heart. The Almighty has terrified me. Darkness is all around me. Thick, impenetrable, impenetrable. Darkness is everywhere. Yes, we will see darkness. We may even be in darkness because darkness is everywhere. Especially if we live in a world, this world is in a dark place. The world. I didn't talk about the people said the world this world is in a dark place and some of the people that are in it are in that dark place but those of you who are a christian those of you who are a believer those of you that have a relationship with the lord those of you who know who you are in god those of you who know literally who knows right from wrong like has that right mindset that right attitude that's really striving to do the work of the lord or really striving to survive and stay alive and not get caught up in what the darkness of the world is doing jesus is the light of your salvation jesus is the joy of your salvation jesus is the health of your salvation he's the help of your salvation He's the refuge of your salvation. He's the comfort of your salvation. He is your safe place of salvation. He's whatever you need him to be at that moment in your life. It's not for you to be, it's not for you to, if you're in darkness, you don't have to stay in the dark. You can come out. Job began to ask why the wicked are not punished. He said, why doesn't the almighty bring the wicked to judgment? Why must the godly wait for him in vain? Evil people steal land by moving the boundary markers. They steal livestock and put them in their own pastures. They take the orphan's donkey and demand the widow's ox as security for a loan. The poor are pushed off the path. The needy must hide together for safety. Like wild donkeys in the wilderness, the poor must spend all their time looking for food, searching even in the desert for food for their children. They harvest a field they do not own, and they glean in the vineyards of the wicked. All night they lie naked in the cold without clothing or covering. They are soaked by mountain showers and they huddle against the rocks for want of a home. The wicked snatch a widow's child from her breast, taking the baby as security for a loan. The poor must go about naked without any clothing. They harvest food for others while they themselves are starving. They press out olive oil without being allowed to taste it. They tr they and they tread in the wine press as they suffer from thirst. The groans of the dying rise from the city, and the wounded cry for help. Yet God ignores their moaning. Wicked people rebel against the light. They refuse to acknowledge its ways or stay in its path. The murderer the murderer rises in the early dawn to kill the poor and needy. At night he is a thief. The adulterer waits for the twilight, saying, no one will see me then. He hides his face so no one will know him. Thieves break into houses at night and sleep in the daytime. They are not acquainted with the light. The black night is their morning. They alley themselves with the terrors of darkness, but they disappear like foam down a river. Everything they own is cursed and they are afraid to enter their own vineyards. The grave consumes sinners, just as drought and heat consume snow. Their own mothers will forget them. Maggots will find them sweet to eat. 
No one will remember them. Wicked people are broken like a tree in the storm. They cheat the woman who has no son to help her. They refuse to help the needy widow. God in his power drags away the rich. They may, be, they may rise high, but they have no assurance of life. They may be allowed to live in security, but God is always watching them. And though they are great now in a moment, they will be gone like all others, cut off like heads of grain. Job asked this question in, 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 in 20, chapter 24 and 25. Can anyone claim otherwise? Who can prove me wrong? Job was speaking facts. Job was speaking truth. And when Eliphaz came through and made it seem like those were the things that Job was doing, Job turned around and said, this is what the wicked does. I'm not that wicked one. I'm not that person that robs from people. I'm not that person that sleeps all day and robs people at night. I'm not that person who takes from the poor. I'm that person who feeds the needy. I'm that person who gives clothes to the poor. I'm that person who gives them something to drink. I'm that person that offers jobs to them and allow them to take some of the hay that's left over home to their to their families. I'm that person that if they're in my wine press and they're working hard, I want to make sure I'm paying them where they can take care of their family. I'm not part of that wicked community. I'm not a part of that wicked community. He said, and because I'm not that part of that community, I'm calling, I'm calling my case to God. He said, I'm taking my complaint to God. Job said, my complaint today is still a bitter one, and I'm trying not to groan aloud. He said, I'm trying not to complain in my bitterness. Lord have mercy. Can you try not to complain in your bitterness? That's a question. Ask yourselves that question. Can you try not to complain in your bitterness? That's a question. Job said, I'm trying hard not to groan aloud. I'm trying hard not to complain. I'm trying hard not to, self, not to sound selfish. I'm trying hard not to keep crying. I'm trying so hard I'm trying hard not to give up my faith. I'm trying hard not to throw in the towel. I'm trying hard not to give up. I'm trying hard not to let go. I'm trying hard to read this thing for myself. I'm trying hard not to even cuss y'all out because y'all ticking me off. I'm trying hard to even tell y'all that what you're speaking is not true. I'm trying my best not to get into my feelings. I'm trying my best not to have a breakdown. I'm trying my best not to complain. So I'm taking my calls to you, but I need to take my case to God. So, my, so Joe was saying, my complaint is not to you, but my cause, I mean, but my complaint is not to you, but my case is for God. I need God. He said, if only I knew where to find God. But the thing about it is the reason why Job is asking those questions is because he knows that God is there. He knows. He's just trying to figure out why he's not feeling his presence, why he's not answering him, why he's not coming to him. Like what is really going on here? That's the, that's, this is Job's eighth speech to his friends, his eighth speech to his friends. Listen, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Throughout the whole experience of Job's suffering, his greatest longing was for the presence of his Lord. He rarely mentioned the loss of prosperity. He barely alluded to his deep sorrow because of the loss of his children. It was the loss of God's presence that he mourned in all his misery. 
He desires to find God and to have communion with him again. That's why he said, I am trying not to groan aloud. I just need to find God. I, I don't care about the children. I don't care about my wife. I don't care about my land. I don't care about my cattle. I don't even care about what y'all are saying. I need to find God. I need to find out, okay, God, what is really going on? And he wasn't saying he didn't care about his children. He wasn't saying that he didn't have a concern of what he lost. But his main concern was for God. The second thing is, this same yearning for God should characterize all true believers. As the heart panted after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Again, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there's no water, where no water is. But God, I know that you are my, I know that you are my water. I know that I can get water from you. I know when you give me your water, I, I don't thirst because I long for your presence. I long to commune with you. I long to spend time with you in my devotional. God, I pray to you three times a day. God, I seek you all the days of my life. Job's concern was, Lord, I know where you are, but where are you? Listen, Job's, because that was good to me. Job's concern was, Lord, I know. He said, I know where you are, but where are you? just in that right there lord i know where you are but where you at because right now i'm dealing with something my body's hurting every day i'm even getting sick of looking at myself i'm trying to get my wife to even have some long some alone time i just need her to comfort me i just need her to be there and she's just like i can't stand the smell I can't stand to look at you. I don't understand why you just won't curse God and just die. Like, how can you just sit there and endure all of that? Like, I'm, I'm confused. But when nobody can understand the place that you were in, when nobody can understand the position that you were in, when people really don't understand your sickness, when people really don't understand your depression, when people really don't understand the oppression that you're dealing with, when people really don't understand why your rent is due, why your light bill is due, why you have no food in the cabinets, why is there no gas in your car, why is your bank account 79 cents, why is your children not coming to see about you, where are your friends out and where are your friends at and why do they walk away like when people really don't understand the thoughts that goes through your mind throughout the day, when people don't understand your emotions, they don't understand your, your feelings, they don't understand your heart, they don't understand what you're dealing with because they ain't been through it. When they don't understand why you're still in a marriage that you should have got out of a long time ago, they don't understand your mindset. But it's not about they don't understand that. What they don't understand is they don't understand who God is in your life. They don't understand who God is in your marriage. They don't understand who God is in your finances. They don't understand who God is in your heart. They don't understand who God is really in your life. They don't understand God. And they'll turn around and they'll say, make it make sense. Because our testimony is, the Lord poured me off of my job to do a great work, but my bills are due. The Lord then told me to leave this job and go to that job but that job makes less money, but they got greater benefits. 
but I'm, I'm, I, it feels like I'm struggling when I was used to having, and now I'm at a little, not realizing that Philippians 4 and 19 says, but my God shall supply my every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So what that means is if you had that high paying job, but you were spending time with him, you had that high paying job, but you stopped paying your tithes and your offering, or you had that high paying job and you wouldn't give the, the homeless man a dollar, or you had that high paying job and you wouldn't give your sister that, that, that outfit that you can no longer wear anymore that you have bought three years ago and you've gained 20 pounds and you can't fit it and you refuse to release it. Oh, I need y'all to catch this. I need you to understand why God does what he does and why God does what he does in, in your life for you to recognize where you are because he's your provider. He, he doesn't, he never leaves you nor forsake you. Everywhere you go, that land becomes yours. But it only does that when you what? Serve the Lord. It only does that when you have what? A right attitude. It does that when what? You know right from wrong. Well, you're not being manipulative. You're not being a liar. You're not being a, a, a deceiver. You're not using deception. You're not, you're not cheating. You're not cussing people out. You're not mishandling them. You're not mistreating them. You're not causing division. You're not bringing discord. Those are the things that you got to look at. Those are the things you got to you got to ask yourself. And in all of that right there. So so what does that mean? That means when we don't allow God to be the water in our life. When we don't allow God to be the light in our life. When we don't allow God to, to, to change our heart. When we don't allow God to change our thoughts. When we don't allow God to change our ways. And we continue to be like the wicked man. We continue to be like the, the wicked person. We, we continue to walk in disobedience. We continue to, to walk in witchcraft. We, we, we continue to do things and say things that we shouldn't say. So it's not about your position. It's about the place that you are in concerning your position. So Job was letting his friends know, I hear what you're saying, but I'm not that wicked man. I help the people. And you all should know my character. You all should understand that my, you should all, you all should understand my cause that I'm presenting to you. That I know where God is, but I, but, but God, where are you? And I'm trying not to complain. I'm trying not to be bitter. I'm trying not to have hatred in my heart. I'm trying not to be envy. I'm trying not to stay broken, but I need God. I need to feel his presence. If I, God just send me a sign. Listen, Job felt confident that God still called about his life. I'm sorry, that God still cared about his life. And he knew that no adversity would turn Job from faithful adherence to him. Don't allow your continence to change your confidence. For some of you who do not know what continence mean, let me help you out. Continence means an expression, a look, your mental, your face, your, your demeanor, your gestures, your character. Your demeanor. That's what continence means. You're going through, so you look sad. Things are happening in your life. You're, you're, somebody ticks you off. You walk around like you've been sucking on lemons all day long. Because you're mad. But when you have confidence in what's going on. No, when you have confidence in God. You have confidence within yourself. You know that you've been in that place maybe before and you know that God is going to do it. But does it stop us from worrying? Does it stop us from stressing? Does it stop us from caring? Does it stop us from having compassion? Does it stop us from having sympathy? Does it stop us from feeling lost and, and losing hope? Does it stop us? Sometimes, yes. And that's why Job, his words were, I'm trying not to groan 
loudly. That means you all heard all you you we've heard. action speaks louder than words. Actions speaks louder than words. You're saying that you're not unhappy, but you're walking around and you're moping all day long. You saying that you good, but you just got through cussing out the, the gas man because all he asked you was how much do you want on, 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 on the pump you just said, and then you cuss him out because you're really deep down full of anger. Don't allow your continence to change your confidence. So because you're having a bad day, everybody around you don't have to feel that. So because somebody else didn't tick you off and you take it out on somebody else. Uh, the innocent shouldn't have to suffer because of what the wicked has done to you. So Job saw his suffering as a test of his faith in and love for the Lord. His test was similar to that of Abraham when he was told to sacrifice his son Isaac. Y'all can read that in Genesis chapter 22. Jesus Christ himself was tested by the suffering he underwent. And as a result, he is now our pattern and example. We as his followers are required to walk in his steps. Job's firm conviction that he would pass the test and never abandon his Lord rested on A, his faithful obedience in the past, B, his love for God's word, his, 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 his awe and fear of God. So likewise, the New Testament believer must resolve never to be swayed from his or her obedience to God, but rather to fear the consequences of unrighteousness and to love God's words more than daily bread. And we've all been told when Jesus was tested in the wilderness, he said, we should not be, we should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of our mouth. Jesus was tested. Jesus was tempted. We're tested. We're tempted. We have to recognize, is it God or is it Satan? But in either case, you don't come out of your character. You don't risk your integrity. You stand still, you sit still, you pray, you wait. And it may be a long wait, but that's what part of the fruit of the spirit is, long suffering. You may suffer long, but when you come out of that thing, like the three Hebrew boys that was thrown into the fiery furnace, they went in, smoke was all around them, but Jesus is walking around them. So when they came out, they were no longer bound and they were no longer smelling like smoke. Their clothes were still attached. The hair on their body was still there. And they came out, they came out stronger than when they went in. And their words were, even if God don't deliver us, he going to deliver us out of your hand. Because we're still not going to bow down to you or bow down to your idol. We're here to serve God. He is our healer. He is our deliverer. And if we die in the furnace, our eternal life is in heaven with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So even if a sickness comes upon you that is deadly, when you have, when you are walking in righteousness, when your heart is pure, when your ways before the Lord is right, your heart has been fixed, your mind has been made up. If you pass from that deadly sickness, when Jesus comes and, and cracks the sky, the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's the day that I'm looking forward to. So I try my best to live my life according to the word of God. So I study it and I pick it apart daily. Now more today than yesterday. Every day I want it to be better. Every day I want my walk to be greater. But I also know that every day there may be a new trial. There, there may be a new era. 
they may be a new fall because every fall is not the same every trial is not the same every error is not the same every mistake is not the same that's why we're given new mercy every day yesterday is gone tomorrow isn't promised and all you have is right now at this moment at this moment at this very moment at this very moment so continuing in 24 i'm gonna read the remaining i'm going to read the remaining of 24 i stopped at well i don't even remember where i stopped but oh i think i finished it i did i finished it oh so let me let me let me read i can read 25 because i got five minutes so let me read job chapter 25 because it's only six verses look at god so in in job chapter 25 bildad's third response to job in the new living translation he said god is powerful and dreadful he enforces peace in the heavens who is able to count his heavenly army doesn't his light shine on all the earth how can a mortal be innocent before god can anyone born of a woman be pure god is more glorious than the moon he shines brighter than the stars in comparison people are maggots we mortals are mere worms so now listen bildad that called us that called us a worm bildad that called us a whole worm out here in these streets right so tomorrow we're going to talk about job's final speech because i do believe that um let me make sure that's where i want to be hold on y'all hold on one second before i get deeper into that hold on so so i am yes so all right so we've heard from job's three friends we've heard from eliphaz bildad and zophar right so now we're in we're in the part well we're in part two but we're in the third cycle of this dialogue concerning the sinfulness of job and so we've gone through eliphaz answer we've gone through job's uh rejoinder We've gone through Bildad's answer and we've gone through Job's rejoinder. So now we're at Job's final summary of his basic position. And we'll do that on tomorrow. So let me go ahead and just run through uh, 26 and um, 26. So let me just do, let me just run through that. So in Job 26, it says, but Job answered and said, how has you helped him that is without power? how sayest thou the arm that hath no strength let me read this from the new living translation all right so now job has given nine speeches and this is a response to bildad job spoke and said how have you helped the powerless how have you saved the weak how have you enlightened my stupidity what wise advice you have offered where have you gotten all these wise sayings whose spirit speaks through you I'm going to put that in, in the comment. Whose spirit speaks through you? Now, that's a question. Job said, whose spirit speaks through you? He said that in verse 4. He said, to whom have you uttered words and whose spirit came from you? The dead tremble. Those who live beneath the waters, the underworld is naked in God's presence. 
the place of destruction is uncovered. God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs and hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps the rain in his thick clouds and the clouds don't burst with the weight. He covers the face of the moon, shrouding it with his clouds. He created the horizon when he separated the waters. He set the boundary between day and night. The foundations of heaven tremble. They shudder at his rebuke. By his power, the sea grew calm. By his skill, he crushed the great sea monster. His spirit made the heavens beautiful and his power pierced the gliding serpent. Job said, these are just the beginning of all that he does, merely a whisper of his power. Who then can comprehend the thunder of his power? Listen, y'all, y'all need to understand that Job continued to say in 27, I vow by the living God who has taken away my rights, by the almighty who has embittered my soul. As long as I live, as long as I live, while I have breath from God, my lips will speak no evil and my tongue will speak no lies. I will never concede that you are right. I will defend my integrity until I die. I will maintain my innocence without wavering. My conscience is clear for as long as I live. May my enemy be punished like the wicked, my adversary like those who do evil. For what hope do the godless have when God cuts them off and takes away their life? Will God listen to their cry when trouble comes upon them? Can they take delight in the Almighty? Can they call to God at any time? Job said, I will teach you about God's power. I will not conceal anything concerning the Almighty, but you have seen all this, yet you say all these useless things to me. This is what the wicked will receive from God. This is the inheritance from the Almighty. They may have many children, but the children will die in war and starve to death. Those who survive will die of a plague and not even their widows will mourn them. Evil people may have piles of money and may store away mounds of clothing, but the righteous will wear that clothing and the innocent will divide that money. The wicked build houses as fragile as a spider's web, as flimsy as a shelter made of branches. The wicked go to bed rich, but wait to find that all their wealth is gone. Terror overwhelms them like a flood and they are blown away in the storms of the night. The east wind carries them away and they are gone. It sweeps them away. It whirls down on them without mercy. They struggle to flee from its power. Job has said his last final words, but everyone jeers at them and mocks them. Job said men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of his place. When Job said my Lord shall not speak wickedness, Job is among the greatest examples of endurance and conviction, adherence to righteousness and perseverance in the, in the faith. His unswerving determination to maintain his integrity and remain faithful to God is unparalleled in the salvation history of the faithful. No temptation suffering or apparent silence from God could drive him away from alliance to God and his word. He refused to curse God and die. Similarly, New Testament believers must be committed to only one course of action throughout the, temper, with, throughout the temptations, the sorrows, and dark days of life. With the strongest conviction, they must confidently continue in their faith, firm to the end. They must never give up as long as they live, holding fast with integrity to God's word and his love. New Testament believers, they must be determined to have always a conscience 
void of offense toward God and toward men. This decision to remain faithful to God and steadfast in faith, hope, and love is not optional for the believer. Doing so is their safeguard against experiencing shipwreck of their faith when faced with intense persecution, temptations, and assaults from Satan. On his part, God promises by his power to guard his faithful people and keep them in his grace so that they may obtain salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In the last times, God is good and he is worthy to be praised. And I am done. So what you all have to understand is the fact that you have to have the spirit of discernment to recognize whose spirit speaks through your friends. Can I say that again? Whose spirit speaks through your friends? Whose spirit is speaking through you? Is it God's spirit? Is it the Holy Spirit? Or is it the spirit of the world? Is it the spirit of Satan? Is it the spirit of divination? Is it the spirit of wickedness? Is it the spirit of evilness? Is it the spirit of disobedience? Is it the spirit of adultery? Is it the spirit of hatred? Is it the spirit of contention? Is it the spirit of the is it the, the spirit of division? Is it the spirit of is it the spirit of discord? Is it the spirit of unrighteousness? What spirit speaks through you? What spirit speaks through your friends? How do I maintain my integrity? How do I maintain my character when so much is happening around me and I'm being attacked and my health is failing and friends are walking away? How do I how do I not allow my confidence to change when I feel like the spirit of confidence is coming against me? God is your confidence. You got to stand like Job. You got to sit like Job. You got to have faith like Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I believe in him. Though he slay me, yet will I have faith in him. I'll have hope in him. That he's going to bring me out. That my breakthrough is coming. Lord, help me, Jesus. So on tomorrow, if it's God's will, I'll be coming from Job chapter 28. And we're going to continue to hear Job speak on wisdom and understanding. We all need wisdom and understanding. Because Proverbs 1 and 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You want to know how to stand? Hear the words of instruction. Hear the words of knowledge. Hear the words of those who've been there. Hear the words of those who have endured. Amen. Amen. So don't allow your con don't allow your continence to change your confidence in who you are and in and in who God is. Amen. So I thank you all for tuning in to Can We Talk About It Live. For those of you who don't know me, I am Pastor Serena Holloway. Some call me elder, some call me doctor. You can call me Serena, that's fine too. But this is Bible Study Brunch at 11 a.m. Job series. And of course, I came on at noonday today. Tomorrow, I will be here at 11 a.m. As long as it's, God, it's in God's will and he's not removed his hand from the world, you'll see my face. Amen. Amen. Know that I love you and God loves you more. Continue to pray for me as I continue to pray for you. Go in peace. Go in God. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for tuning in.